Today, in our modern, quote-unquote, modern society, authority, power, money are um, seen badly, to say the least. Power is thought of as um, something that needs to be deconstructed and then distrib- distributed between the people, meaning more and more we don't see how money or power can, uh, in fact, be at the service of the good. Very often we see everything as a power struggle, a fight between this party and that party, between this end of the spectrum and that end of the spectrum. Very often we're divided in our society, forced to choose sides. And it's terrible because it's destroying us. It's something that's rooted in thought that dates at least 150 years. Many a thinker have claimed that everything is a fight for power and a will to power. And so when we see anyone that is very powerful, we automatically become suspicious. But here in this gospel, it's something that's strange. It's hard for us to understand. Because what he's going to say is that you should take what you have and use it for the good. That what you should do is you should take the money that you have or the power that you have and use it at the service of something. He's actually going to praise someone who seems to do something dishonest. It's a difficult passage because, in fact, there's this employee that is in charge of everything and the inventory and the debt and he knows he's going to be fu- <coughs> sorry he knows he's going to be fired <coughs> there we go and so what does he do he knows he's going to be fired he takes the people that owe him debt and he says for you i'm going to half your debt for you i'm going to make it a 20% reduction for the hope that when i'm fired you might take me into your home You might take care of me. It's interesting. That's the example that Jesus is going to take of stewardship. This man who says, what am I to do after? Am I going to go begging? Am I going to dig? What am I going to do after this? And so he scrambles and figures out a way to make it so that he'll be accepted. And then Jesus, when he's summing it up, he'll say, the children of this world are more astute in dealing with their own kind than the children of light. Or again, he's going to retake it and he's going to say, so I tell you this, use money, tainted as it is, to win you friends. It's like, What is he talking about? It seems so different than the gospel I know. 
So different than the gospel where we're taking all that we have and placing it at the service of the poor. We're taking all that we have and placing it at the service of the other. Here, he says, use money, tainted as it is, to win you friends. And he's going to speak of it as if it's good. He goes on. And if you cannot be trusted with what is yours, who will give you what is your very own? Meaning, if you can't even do that, to use that money for gaining friends, use that power for gaining those friends, then who's going to trust you with more? And so you're left with this confusing gospel. And then he says in the end, no man can be a slave of two masters. He will either hate the first and love the second, or treat the first with respect and the second with scorn. You cannot be the slave of both God and money. And then so, are you supposed to be using power and money in order to gain friends? The answer is, Probably not, because most of the gospel says mm, there's something wrong with that. But still, there's something here. What are we supposed to do? In fact, that final passage gives us a great light. It is not that we are to serve power for power's sake. We're not supposed to be hoarding up money for money's sake. We're not supposed to be gaining things for our own power's sake. That's what makes people suspicious. In fact, if you do that, you yourself will be the slave of money. And you see it. One of our deepest fears is not to have enough. We always want to save or to have so that we might have enough. And we become the slave of money. But instead, if you say, I will not be the slave of money, but I will orient my life, I will give my life, I will offer my life to God, I will offer my life to His Son, Jesus Christ, I will offer my life to my brother and my sister, then all of a sudden, I start to see, well, yeah, I should use what I have. I should use what I have at the service of the other. I should use intelligently and as well as I possibly can what I have. But at the service of our Lord. It's what we call in general prudence is that I see the end. I see God. And now I should use whatever I have to be able to get there. I should be able to Purify that power. Purify that money by making it relative to something greater than power, greater than money. And so, for example, everyone's afraid of the wealthy and don't, they do not like the wealthy. But then, on the other side, everybody loves a Bill Gates who gives everything he has for the good of the other, who is going to use his intelligence 
as best he can to cure malaria in Africa. Everybody loves that because all of a sudden he's being intelligent in the use of what he has for the good of the other. You may have noticed on the bulletin today, I put uh, three stages of spiritual maturity there. I think it's very important because it's only in that third stage that we're really going to bear fruit. And it's only in that third stage, as you read through them, that we find a person makes everything they have relative to love, truth, to goodness. It's only after your second conversion, when you become a real disciple of Christ, where you're not just you know, open, open to whatever God wants, open to whatever's out there, but where you're actively pursuing God. And more than that, where you become that person who discerns where God is calling them and how to serve the Lord. Where is your vocation? That you'll find this person who is able to place everything at the service, power and money, body and soul, at the service of the other. It's only in those spiritually mature that we're going to find someone that is able to place everything relative to the Lord. And so, while this is a process that we're all growing into, It is something that is clear, at least. That if in our life we're not searching more and more how to place everything relative to the Lord, then we're not yet a disciple. If God does not enter into the bank, if God does not enter into our power, if God does not enter into our life, then we are not really yet even adolescents in our spiritual life, let alone adults. And so let us ask for that grace of discernment, of receiving His Spirit, of being more and more open to that second conversion so that we might place our lives entirely at His service and grow to be not just the children but full-grown adults in our Christian life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.